0: It's time for the powermazoo.com podcast. With interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Dave DeArmond. Welcome back to another episode of the powermazoo.com podcast. Not quite the final one before camp begins. I think next week we'll still have about 24 hours before Missouri starts practice. But we are getting close. It is uh, officially pretty much at this point football season everyone except Mitchell Forty, who is somewhere in Japan right now. So stepping in for him this week is uh former Columbia Tribune sports editor and now current uh, part-time contributor. How's that sound? Sounds wonderful. All right. Part-time contributor to PowerMizzou.com. Joe Wall Jasper is here. Uh, this podcast takes a lot of pride in Planning nothing and doing no preparation. I've taken that to another level this week. Uh, Joe and I are going to talk about things. We don't really know what those things are, Uh, but I do know the first thing we're going to talk about is Shakespeare's Pizza and uh, their events and catering wing. If you call them up, if you walk in, if you go on the internet, if you just somehow contact Shakespeare's Pizza and order eight pizzas or more and mention this podcast, mention my name. Mention, I don't know, the Missouri blog, really anything related to Power Mizzou. They're going to give you 15% off your order. Again, eight pizzas or more. Football Saturdays are coming up. Uh, I think there's about five Saturdays until we have games. So do that. Do it any day of the week, really. Eight pizzas or more, 15% off by mentioning the podcast. Uh, Joe Jasper taking a break from, I don't know, publicizing infectious diseases or whatever it is you do day to day.
1: Yes. Well, um, I don't know if you remember when the NCAA violations were uh, announced this winter. There was uh, Yolanda Kumar got a little fired up on Twitter and was uh, discussing. (laughs) I I do remember that. The the particulars of uh, the the athlete she helped in the whole sequence. And uh, she used a phrase that was almost poetic, the the summer of measles. Yes. And so I've not had the summer of measles. I have had the summer of gout. And so I am now... Currently, sort of getting over my third third episode. Um, so as we speak, uh, uh, little little less than hundred percent. I have uh, I have come to a greater appreciation of the role of the big toe in daily life. It is vitally important.
0: Yeah, um, as a uh, as a uh, frequent battler of that, you have shoes on, so that's a good sign. It can't be that bad.
1: Yeah, this this has been the least of it. It's and I can't figure out where I'm going wrong. Like I've kind of a creature of habit in terms of diet you know every day i come home uh from work i have eat a eat a full log of summer sausage and (laughs) wash it down with a 30 pack of natural light and i feel like that is kind of gives me the protein and carbs i need for my active lifestyle it seems like it it should work it may be time to rethink
0: (laughs) well (laughs) get on the cherries and uh just don't get off the beer you know I've, i've found that's not quite necessary but um I don't know. So we'll just start. Like I said, I've, I've literally done no preparation. I I've started thinking about what we might talk about on the drive in here, which took a little bit longer because the bridge is under construction mm-hmm. forever. Uh, that, that leads out to the studio where we record. But um, we are, I guess, on the verge of another season and a season that I think 12 months ago we probably would have thought, eh, I don't know how this is going to be. And now all of a sudden, I, I think people are pretty excited. And not just – fans are always excited, but I think people actually think Missouri is going to be pretty decent.
1: Yeah. Now, most of the time when I write the column for you, Gabe, it's sort of just a bunch of nonsense and discussion of
0: <laughs> – This really describes most of what we do. So yeah. you'll fit in well on the podcast.
1: I feel like I've probably dove maybe too deep into the world of, of marital AIDS and, and of, <laughs> you know – Sort of a doomsday, uh, dark, uh, dark sort of existential crises. But, I mean,
0: it's not your fault that Zach Smith <laughs> happened last yeah, year. Yeah, you
1: know, I, I'm just reacting. But one point last year, at, at the end of the regular season, I did get a little, a little bit. Um, oh, maybe had some of the old columnist uh, feeling come back that I felt like Barry Odom was maybe getting a little bit of the short straw in terms of the public opinion about the season, which. I think if you asked anybody, it was like they went eight and four. It should have been ten and two, mm-hmm. which I think maybe missed the big picture, which is that uh, three years before this thing could have fallen off a cliff. I mean right. that 2015 was the uh, football equivalent of like the 2008 economic collapse. I mean <laughs> if you if you didn't get things figured out quick, I mean it, Missouri could have become Kansas football pretty easily, and I think that even just the coaching search before Barry Odom was hired kind of bore that out. I mean. People who went on to take seemingly worse jobs weren't interested in coaching Missouri. I mean, right. Matt Rule at Temple, he didn't want to coach Missouri. He went and coached at Baylor, um, which was coming off his own scandal. So I feel like maybe last year, the point being that give Barry credits to Barry Odom some credit for putting them in position to go 10 and right. 2, um, if you're going to give him the credit for losing two of those games. So I think uh, when you look at what he, he did in three-year span, getting them to that point, um, that was worthy of maybe a little more more than what he was getting. Now, you don't get a lifetime pass for that. Right. I think the thing about uh, during Gary Pinkle's tenure was once in a while when he had a chance to do something special, when things fell right and he had the right talent, had the right schedule, they did, and they won double-digit games. It took him his seventh year, but they did do it. Um, and I think this could be that kind of year for Barry Odom where um, – certainly they would have a chance to, to win nine or ten games.
0: Well, and, you know, it, it, somebody brought up kind of an interesting point. They asked me in my mailbag, and it kind of relates to what you were saying. Yeah, they went on the win streak last year at the end of the year, and they did the same thing the year before. But for – we've been four straight years now, really, the last one under Pinkle and, and these three under Odom, where by mid-October, they're legitimately playing for nothing other than, like, Hey maybe we can get to the citrus or you know the Gator Bowl instead of the Liberty Bowl and that's all well and good but it, this can't be uh you can't be sitting halfway through this season at 4 and 2 or 3 and 3 because I think the schedule's been been front loaded the last few years it is not this year like mm-hmm. you got to be I think you got to be minimum 5 and 1 when you start going to Vanderbilt and Kentucky Yeah and it
1: feeds into all these other discussion topics too like attendance you know is yeah. that is that something where are the fans supposed to show up, or are you supposed to win first? And uh, each season it's been the uh, because of the back-loaded nature of the uh, winning. Uh, I think by the time they got around to playing good football, people had lost interest. So mm-hmm. that, that makes a difference too. Um, and I think, I think uh, like you said, this year, if, if ever a schedule was set up for some, some early success, this is it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you, I, I think most people would trade Alabama for old Miss. I think I think people would be happy with that. Um, if you listen to Pat Fitzgerald, the problem is cell phones. Mm-hmm. Is that the reason you do not uh, go to every football game? Is because you're on your cell phone? No, I, I do. <laughs> no, uh, I do
1: think that there's something to be said that it's just become a more enjoyable experience to, to watch a game on TV. Yeah, I feel that way. Maybe it affects me maybe more during basketball season when it's like 30 degrees out and, right. and it's a, often a opponent you don't care about. But um, you. I've found that when watching a game from the press box, we are often being informed by people on Twitter watching on television what,
0: what's said. They're actually getting more information. They know than we way are. more about the game than we do.
1: Yeah. And like a lot of times, what we're watching, even on replays, is what the stadium feed is, which they don't want to show controversial plays. So, mm-hmm. in most ways, um, it is a superior experience to watch on TV. When it isn't, is if you are super, super into tailgating, certainly that's. A reason to go. And the, the other thing is once in a while when you get a special game where you're sort of suddenly hugging the person next to you you don't know, right. that's an experience you can't get at home and it's really, the fact you were there it does make a difference. You know, those games may be coming along once every five years or so but when, when they do, it's, it's fun to be there.
0: Yeah, but uh, overall, I mean it's, it's better to watch at home and the thing that people don't understand really, and this is why I laugh at all these preseason polls and everybody writing all these, like outside of Missouri this year I won't see. I may not see a full, complete college football game. Like, how am I supposed to pick the twenty-five best teams in the country when I haven't seen twenty-four of them play a complete football game? You know, and really for fans too. If you're driving from Kansas City or St. Louis and you go to a Missouri game, you didn't watch anything else that day. That was a nine-hour commitment. That's kind of the
1: fallacy of media and coaches voting on top twenty-fives because you're a complete expert on your own team and a mild expert on the teams that that team has played and don't know much of anything about the rest.
0: Right. Like, I'll be able to form an opinion on Wyoming, probably. Uh, but that's that's about it. Um, so, I, I think, I, I mean, the biggest thing that's happened for Missouri football in the last 12 months, I'm amazed, really, the bump that they've gotten from Kelly Bryant's commitment. Like, I think they're still kind of riding that wave even through these preseason predictions and stuff, I think a lot of people are basing it on, hey, they got this guy that everybody wanted and that guy doesn't usually come to Missouri.
1: Yeah, I think it's almost as much based on the everybody wanted as much as it is what they've seen of the player. Um, yeah. the fact that, you know, Auburn wanted a guy, Missouri got him, I think was hard for some people to wrap their heads around. And then when he could have taken the first flight out of here once the sanctions came yeah. along and he stuck around that was an eye opener too. So, you know, maybe people are inflating his value a little bit. I think when you talk about people acting like he's an upgrade over Drew Locke, I'm not sure I'd go that far. He's different. Um, He might be an upgrade over Drew Locke if it's fourth and one against Kentucky. Um, (laughs) There are situations, but overall, I mean, let's not not, uh, get crazy here. But he does take Missouri from what would have been probably considered by default a rebuilding year just because you don't have a quarterback Mm -hmm. um, to one where, yeah, they're in a position where people do expect big things.
0: Yeah, and this is kind of that year, like you said. I mean, if you're going to win 10 – this is kind of the year you got to do it because if you don't win 10 this year, I think it's fair to say, I'm not sure you're going to win 10 the next next few years, but the other the other big topic, you mentioned it. So I assume, I don't know, but I assume you know exactly what the NCAA is going to do and when they're going to do it on this appeal.
1: I am uh, more familiar with infectious diseases. Uh, in my <laughs> the, the beauty of this, when people ask me if I kind of miss my old life, it's like, um, I do not. I, yeah. uh, I feel like the people who who uh, sometimes you'll hear like creative or ambitious people they say um boy i could never work an eight to five job in an office yeah like as someone who is neither creative nor ambitious i can tell you it's wonderful (laughs) you go to work at eight you work nine hours or whatever you leave at five whatever you had left on your desk it'll be there at eight and then when people get arrested or people appeal the ncaa uh, it's not your problem so i can tell you i have not put a lot of thought into that i do feel the penalties were overly harsh that does not mean that the people who happen to be appointed to this committee on appeals are going to think the same way as we do it's not necessarily a battle of common sense it could be they they might just be people who think well it's a level one violation you admitted to it and that's what you get and if that's the case then missouri's screwed And, and if they do want to i think look at this from a little more pragmatic uh perspective and are willing to go out on a limb and reverse what, at least on the bull ban, I think that would be uh, appropriate action.
0: Yeah. Hey, well, But what you said, like, I, I think that they should get some of this stuff lifted. But if they don't, I have a hard time being outraged because the NCAA said this is a level one violation, and Missouri said, uh-huh, we agree mm-hmm. it is. I, I mean, if it doesn't get lifted, it's you can see why it doesn't.
1: It is, and then taking it one step further, as many people have already said, if you do rule that way, if you're the Appeals Committee, then what you're basically telling is every school, don't cooperate. Right, don't there's, ever- there's absolutely no advantage to it, don't do it.
0: Yeah, just uh, if you committed the crime, deny, 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 and make them prove it.
1: And it may have been that Yolanda had all the paperwork to prove everything she said, and it wouldn't have mattered if Missouri did cooperate, but there's no right. advantage to it.
0: Right, I still, every few weeks, am reminded that I follow her on Twitter, <laughs> and I meant not to, but uh, I still do. So that might end whenever this is uh, this is all finished. So sorry, Ms. Kumar, your followers might go down a little bit. I know you're a big fan of mine, as you have tweeted before, so uh, I'm sure you're listening to this podcast. Um, you mentioned about y- y- your old job, and uh, contrary to what I would have expected, people actually have like interest in journalism and uh, profession talk on, on this podcast and in our mailbag and stuff. They ask a lot of questions. I think part of it is because... It, like, it's a foreign thing. If if you try to explain to somebody what you used to do or if I try to explain to somebody what I do, it doesn't really make sense. I think they don't really think it's a job, so I think they like to know. So, I, I, I mean, you mentioned – I think right about the time that, that you left and a lot of people are leaving, a lot of people think it's, well, newspapers are dying and this and that, and that's part of it. But I think a bigger part of it is just I don't want to work 24 hours a because you never know for sure when – you're gonna to have to work
1: yeah I think that you know they do these surveys in terms of what is the worst job and a few years back journalists fell next to last I want to say lumberjack was last. dentist is always up there because everybody <laughs> hates you I know that at least they make money but. yeah well and I said lumberjack I don't know you get outside. Get to a little exercise. But anyway, then the next year. I feel like
0: I would be a terrible lumberjack for <laughs> whatever that's worth. Yeah.
1: The next year, uh, journalism was dead last. And I think it's really the combination of low pay and then kind of the fact you're never off the clock. Yeah. Um, and that part probably as time went on got worse. Like when I started in journalism, you would have like uh, a couple times a day these periods of high stress where you were wondering what the other people on your beat were doing. And then that, the morning paper would come out or the six o'clock news would happen and then, you know, you took a deep breath or you mm. stuck your head in the toilet, <laughs> depending on what was in there. But then it didn't, didn't linger. Right Now, um, you really, there's not a whole lot of surprises. And because of Twitter, you tend to know what your competition is doing all the time. So it's more like just sort of a low-grade anxiety over the course of 24 hours. But you never really feel like you're totally away. Like you go to a movie and like, About an hour in, you're thinking, should I take a peek at this phone and see what's happening? Um, So that part um, has changed, and I don't think it's changing back. That's just the way it is. And newspapers, who knows if they'll still be around in 10 years. I would see a future probably where they're strictly online because then you would be eliminating a lot of the the cost of a newspaper, which is the printing and the distribution. But I would like to think there will always be news gatherers putting their their stuff out in, in a way that people can read.
0: Well, and and I think, and I don't know, I think you'll agree with this, but, you know, newspapers, the way to, first of all, they were about 15 years too late in trying to charge people for Mm -hmm. online content. But the, the bigger thing I think now is what a newspaper, especially in a town like Columbia, has to do, they should be covering high schools more than anybody else because nobody else does that. Missouri, everybody covers. Nobody's going to a Columbia paper to find out what the Chiefs did or the Cardinals did. Like, it has to be a niche that nobody else is exploiting. And really, in this town, that's high school stuff. Yeah,
1: and you have to have the people to do it, too, which has right. become the problem over there. But um, the uh, even when I would hire people to cover Mizzou sports, it was always one thing I was trying to get across to them is you got to kind of find your niche. If you're new to the beat and Gabe and Dave Matter have been here for 15 years, you're probably not going to scoop them too much. Right. So what can you do that they – don't want to do or aren't doing, <laughs> right. like when uh, when that's da- a long list yeah. by the way. Yeah, when uh, go to go to SEC media days, for instance. Um, the uh, like when uh Dave Matter left and I hired David Morrison, um, he kind of found his niche, but like he would spend his Sundays, <sighs> you know, going through the tape and recording every outcome of every formation and so he found a niche in terms of the stats and the analysis mm-hmm. um, which people liked which I thought was really good it may not have been uh, sustainable to spend your off days pouring over <laughs>
0: right just from a personal quality <laughs> yeah. of life standpoint yeah
1: but but it was a way to, to get your foot in the door and I, it's the same thing when you paint the picture more broadly of what what can we provide that others don't and it's clearly is not national news people can get off off the wire yeah
0: so you you were at the Tribune, at, I know, and I mean, you were in Columbia and then left and, and came back. Like, all told, what? how many years were mm-hmm. you I'd say covering about, Missouri? About 20 years. Okay. And so I had this uh, this thought when Wayne and Susan Crecklow retired last week, and then Rex Sharp is, like, you know, taking on a lesser role. I started to think, like, I can count on, like, one or two hands the number of people— over there, who have been here mm-hmm. longer than I have, I think that's a sign of nothing more than I'm really actually now I'm just old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, it happens.
1: Well, yeah, I think if you're talking about coaches or administrators, ooh, probably Brian Blitz. Um, yeah,
0: I, he's been maybe I think Brian Smith was Brian he got hired Smith. like late 90s, is that right?
1: Brian Smith, I think, was the last Joe Stiglione hire. Still like 98, 98, no. and then like in the administration and you know I think Sarah Reesman mm-hmm. has been there a while but not a lot I mean there is there's turnover I think uh just goes to show that if you run your own business Gabe you uh, don't have to fire yourself <laughs>
0: exactly nobody has yet laid me off That's right. so uh we'll we'll see how that goes um i have you been i am constantly amazed like it's we're 4 weeks from football season Missouri fans still seem more interested in basketball to me it is uh, like we've ridden this wave for like two and a half years, and I don't know if it's oh my god Kim's gone and we're just still so happy about that, or it, I I don't know what it is, but I think I think you when you started and certainly when I was growing up, like this was more of a basketball school. If you are my age, you identified first as a basketball fan. If you're a Missouri fan, I, it's and maybe that changes if football's really good this year and basketball isn't. What people are but i think we're back in an age where missouri would identify as a, a basketball first school
1: hmm i don't know about that when i was in college like in the early 90s they would have like the lottery for the tickets to the Hearn center and if right. one guy on your dorm floor or your apartment got the high number then you know he could go get in the line and get you the b section tickets and that was like that guy was the most popular man <laughs> you could right. imagine that guy probably could have uh could have auctioned that off for his entire tuition, and then football. Conversely, I remember I was at a fan at the the fifth down game, and as Colorado was driving down the field, I was literally just walking down the row with them because there was like thirty thousand people there, and you mm. could just walk walk along with them. And then at the end, ran out on the field for some reason, thinking Missouri had won because <laughs> to it, congratulate it, it, Bill. Like, McCartney. We were like a running up to Colorado players, like, "What are we doing here?" But so that was then, um and I think. You saw a little bit of a change in the when they had that nice little run in 97 and 98. But then once Pinkle got it going, it became in in all the trouble with basketball, a whole difference. I think, I think it to me, it's still a football school. Um, Michael Porter's appearance two years ago certainly breathed a little new life into it. Right. But I don't know. You go to a basketball game, it's still. I mean, there's no comparison to what it used to be in terms That's of atmosphere. It's, you know, people get excited if it's half full. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think it's going to take a few NCAA terms before we, we see a change. And I think part of it is, too, you know, it's an excuse, but and it wasn't the case back when they were really good, was that just the nature of the beast, the distance a lot of the fans are traveling doesn't make a lot of sense for night basketball games compared to where you can spend the whole right.
0: day. Well, going. and I, I don't know what the number is. I don't think it's very high, like when – Missouri football has made a bowl game and in the same year made an NCAA tournament but it doesn't seem like it should be a thing that they can't both be good but they never seem to have both been good at the same time amongst power five schools
1: you seem like you should have about a 50 50 chance in, in in both both I mean yeah. even better than that in football really um so yeah it's it's uh
0: well you know like when Pinkle got good it kind of coincided with like they had a year here and there but that was right after Quinn had all his problems and they were down for a while. And then basketball, you know, rose up a little bit and football yeah. was on the downside.
1: I think the best combined year was probably when they went, um, they won. It was a little bit of a disappointing year, but 2008 in football, they won 10 games. Right. Um, but then in basketball, they won the, the Big 12 tournament that year and went to the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken, the 08-09 the yeah. season.
0: You don't, you don't think back uh, one of Woody's years, you don't think that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good solid combo?
1: It's funny because back then, you know, I can't even talk that. Knowledgeably about it because they were never on TV and I wasn't right. here yet and so right. it's like I I don't think I ever watched them play a game in the in the mid
0: eighties. Yeah. So um, yeah. I don't know anything else with Mizzou sports that seems important. Mm. Not to me, but maybe I maybe I'm <laughs> well, forgetting. something. well, I was
1: excited to see that um, Barry Odom is opening up all these practices and making all these yeah. interviews possible, which I which I, is kind of an inside baseball thing, but I do think it it makes sense because I think when people get hired, they're always wanting to become. They always want to adopt all of Nick Saban's tendencies because, well, he's the best. Why wouldn't you? But I think that ignores the fact that um, until you've won at that level, it doesn't really work that way. Um, If you're trying to sell tickets, it doesn't make sense to cut off all access during spring football when all the stories are going to be positive or during the preseason when almost all the stories are positive. Right. And it's free advertising, and he's letting them do it. And for readers, I think it got pretty boring because everybody had to write about the same guy the same day. And so you're just basically seeing who put their comma in a different place. Nobody
0: has ever done anything in fall camp that we would write that would lead an opponent to go, oh, we got the key to beating them now. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, we don't know enough about football to do that, but I did see – I saw a guy that covers Alabama, uh, Michael Casagrande, I believe is his name, like tweeted out, hey, this is what Missouri's doing. Would you like Nick Saban to do this with practices? And it was like 79% said absolutely not. So basically they're just like, look, we don't – why would you change anything? This works here. We just like to win.
1: Well, you know, on the one hand, covering Alabama would be kind of interesting because you would get to make a nice trip trip or two every every, uh, December and January. But I don't envy the people who – kind of have to deal with that cult every day because once once you win the level Saban does literally he could he could say anything and and...
0: yes and I was talking to when we went to Tuscaloosa last year I was talking to our guy that does our Alabama site and I said it's almost got to be kind of miserable that you're dealing with a fan base every day who if they go 11 and 1 it's a disaster like if they lose a game Mm. everything is over and everybody's angry it's I, I don't get me wrong I'm sure everybody would like to be there but be a little bit boring.
1: I feel that fans seem to almost universally treat every uh, incomplete pass as a disaster now as opposed to... See, I'm you put me in the room with you, and now I've become this condescending jerk right. just talking <laughs> about fans like there's some other lower form of life. They're yeah. just passionate people, Gabe. And they, they are. They, they want they are. this. They demand and excellence.
0: Like, I I only have a paycheck because of that. That's right. So I appreciate that. But, no, it's, it's also social media. Like, we have to react to... It, it affects what we do, too. I mean... You know, okay, this just happened, so what's going to happen? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Why would I know what's going to happen? But that is now people no longer want to know what did happen. They want to know what's going to happen. And then you fall into the trap of, like, let's say, you know, you might cover something like Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. and you start to draw some conclusions, and then you look like an idiot six months later.
1: Yeah, we were exchanging text messages when the the last uh, full tape of his conversation with his fiance came out and just, like, Glad I'm not uh, in the position to have to form a coherent opinion on this at the moment because that's kind of the worst part, where it's like, well, it's the day something important happened, but well, you know, who knows? <laughs> right. Well, and and you can't just say I don't know. Yeah, you can't. Nobody just, wants to say that. Yeah, you got to have a take. So yeah, I don't I don't miss that part either.
0: Yeah. Um. So nothing. Uh, we don't need to read the newsletters. Catch up on on your gout prognosis or. You'll, well, you'll keep us informed.
1: I'll keep it up to date. Um, I think I'm going to get started with the columns again the the uh, Friday before the season begins. Yeah. Because last year um, I started writing in early August and it was almost 100% marital aid content. <laughs> Which I, I don't mean, know. Maybe that, some people want that. that read does that. have <laughs> some merit to it. <laughs> maybe some know? people want to read that. But um, I was going to. So I thought I'm going to wait and let it, let some content uh, organically build yeah. in my uh, data processor. Up upstairs, and uh, when it's when the time is right, then I will uh, unleash
0: it. Is, is your data processor is that the same as a computer? Is that the same? It's thing? my brain. Um, okay.
1: So we'll see. Um, you know, I, I I talked about last year. It was probably a little. I think it got a little dark. It was maybe a little dark. So I'm going to try to lighten things up a little this year. I don't really have. I'm kind of like you in this podcast. I don't really plan these things out. I'd kind of let let right. the, let the muse guide me. You know, I come home. I have my summer sausage and my natural lights, and then, then I just kind of let... <laughs> your, your natter days? Just let the, yep, just let the, let the prog- process, uh, you got to trust the process, and uh, hopefully by like uh, 11 p.m. on Wednesday night, uh, something somewhat coherent has emerged.
0: Well, and the problem with either us doing a podcast or like if we were to both write columns, I find like we tend to kind of think pretty much the same thing about things, so I would I, I need to get somebody on this podcast who's just going to come in here and I can tell them how stupid I think they are, but I haven't found that person yet.
1: I could give you a list okay. you could work from. <laughs> yeah, well, when I started doing that column a couple of years ago uh, for Yo, it was like trying to figure out, well, what sort of format should I do it in? And I quickly decided, you know, if, if I'm writing a column from a Saturday game and it's not going to appear until Friday and everybody else has read all, you know, your, your column, you know, Dave Matters analysis, you know, you, some of the star will be there, Vaje or Blair and then Ben Fredrickson or Ben Hawkman from this. We're not that different. There's not a flaming hot take guy amongst We're, that I, group. I mean, it's
0: football. It's not brain surgery. In half yeah. the
1: games, really, are, you kind of got to work to get a good opinion out of. It. I mean, it's just yeah. sort of a, a sure thing. So trying to figure out a way to – and it was basically going to have to take kind of a twisted take on what's happening and not so much straight stuff. Once in a while, I'll get fired up and write about Barry Odom's getting a shaft from the fans right. or that Sophie Cunningham is a modern-day Norm Stewart or more, more uh, straightforward comments I uh, kind of felt I, I needed to try to zig where others zag.
0: So when you were at the trip, you how many columns a week did you usually do?
1: Well, usually would do one full length one, and then twice a week do what we called take two, which was okay. sort of a little twisted take on the news kind of thing. So usually a total of three a
0: week. Because I think being a columnist, I think would be next to impossible. Because I found like I used to do a weekly column, and now I like you had. You can't write a decent column about something you don't really feel all that strongly mm-hmm. about. You know, you're like inventing all this fake. And so, I, I just rarely does something come along where I think I feel so passionate about this. I need to actually say. I mean, trying to write three columns a week. Like sometimes you're you're kind of just going, I don't know, man. I kind of got to drum this up a little bit because I don't really feel all that uh, all that passionate about it.
1: Well, some of them stunk. So, <laughs> only if you can get one of them, it's uh, decent. That's probably. Three thirty-three. Yeah, that's that's where I uh, I I am amazed at talk radio hosts that can be passionate
0: about every topic. is like uh, I I can't imagine getting worked up enough to to like raise my voice every day about something.
1: It's like you know
0: OJ found found innocent.
1: Well, that happened. You know I, I don't get I don't get too fired up. So it's it's kind of got a it's hard to hard to rile me. So. Yeah, uh, that maybe I was just ill-suited from the job from the get-go.
0: Well, and I think maybe uh, maybe we need to adapt to how things are done. I did see this morning one of the ta- topics of debate on the national show was, will Trevor Lawrence win two Heisman trophies? <laughs> I mean, last I checked, he hasn't won one. Well, if we're talking about the
1: the death of journalism, it's the ridiculous ratio now of pundits versus reporters. Yeah. Um, and so you got you've got to probably whatever, less than half the workforce is actually gathering news, and then you have all these morons, you know, filling the hours on ESPN, commenting on it without, you know, and often not having the context to really make it logical. I think that is that is the, you know, in sports, it's just sort of stupid, but in in news, I mean, I think that's dangerous. It's an actual problem. There's nobody covering, you know, local governments. There's just like a few people on a blog taking potshots, and even on a national level, it's like, you know, it's just... It's, and I think it's because the easier, cheaper way is to just have people bloviating about things other people's right. work.
0: Yeah, and it's it, it's a pretty easy distinction. If you're reading something that references someone else's story, then mm. you don't really need to pay attention to it. But yeah, sometimes just, not even credit them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Source says uh, we we're just uh, we're just over here kind of in the toy department playing around about mm. unimportant things. But uh, on that kind of to wrap that up, I my son is. He's going to be a junior in high school, so we're starting to look at college things and what he might want to major in and stuff. And I told him he could go into journalism and make a lot of money, and he appropriately laughed and then said, also, that just seems hard. He said, well, not sports journalism, but, like, you know, the unspoken part was, but, like, the real people, that seems hard. Well. Sports journalism, I don't think, is
1: harder or easier. It's just the actual events are maybe a little more interesting. But yeah. so little of your time is spent covering events. It's like right. the vast majority of it is, you know, sitting in a hallway waiting for someone.
0: And uh, the interesting thing about— It has been a while since we've had to sit outside of curators. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. The interesting thing, the big change for me in my new job, I work at MU Healthcare, where I'm doing editing the magazines and writing lots of stories. I'm constantly interviewing doctors. And uh, it's been, it was a bit of a change because, like— You know, for twenty years, maybe it was just falsely so, but about a decent percentage of the time you you could feel like you might have a little bit more going on upstairs than this person I'm talking to and trying to elicit (laughs) a few comments from. Um that is no longer ever the case. I am always the dumbest person in the room and willingly admit it. So that part's a little different. Um, but once in a while, um, it is from the the mouths of the
0: the uh,
1: less fortunate Intelligence wise, that would come some of the the greatest, <laughs> the greatest stuff. quotes yes. that you would ever get.
0: Yes. Uh, so really, your job now is like attending a nonstop Quinn Snyder press conference where you would just walk out and go like, I know he said some things, but I don't think I can understand what they were.
1: I'm constantly saying now, um, keep in mind, I'm, I'm writing for an eighth grade audience. So what would you tell them? And secretly, it's like, what would you tell me? I don't get any of this. <laughs>
0: all right so about a month you'll be back on uh gracing power mizzou on friday mornings i like that because it's one less story i have to do every week and uh hopefully you'll be able to walk by then
1: and i like it when you pay me money to do it so i think (laughs) everybody wins i am we're currently having our kitchen remodeled so i
0: need all the money i can get okay i will just uh i will send all your future checks directly to the contractor then uh, so Joe Wall Jasper joining us this week. Mitchell forty. I don't know uh, his his father. This morning when I got up at five thirty, Mitchell's dad was tweeting a picture of the sunset. So I don't know how. I, I don't know the time zone. I know they're far ahead of us over in Japan and Korea. So he will be back next week. Next Friday, fall camp opens. We have an entire schedule somewhere on Power Mizzou. I don't yet have any idea what it is, but I promise when they start, somebody's going to be there. So uh, thanks for listening. And one more time. Hit up Shakespeare's Eight Pizzas or More, 15% off when you mention the podcast. We will talk to you next week.